0: To introduce our guest today, I just want you to imagine you're on a movie set. You're acting in a film that stars Mark Wahlberg. It's a drama about war, about a group of soldiers putting their life on the line. And the actors, like Wahlberg, are exhausted, mentally and physically, and rightly so. This is an intense film, to say the least. Now, the actor I'm talking about also in this film is named Jerry. While filming this movie, Jerry is also filming another movie in Las Vegas. This other movie is a comedy, and the stars alongside Jerry are Michael Douglas, Robert De Niro, Morgan Freeman, and Kevin Kline. Four legends working together for the first time. So Jerry is going back and forth, shooting this drama with Wahlberg, then flying to film this comedy with another group of legends. Back and forth, one set to the next. It's a neat anecdote that speaks to the career of jerry ferrara today's guest an actor who has had spectacular success who first became quite well known with the hbo hit comedy entourage for those who never checked it out entourage was a hit show that followed the acting career of the fictional character vincent chase a young a-list movie star and his well childhood friends from queens as they attempt to live out the Hollywood dream in L.A. And there's four main characters. Vince, the star, E, the best friend and manager, Johnny Drama, Vince's brother trying to become a star and Turtle, the good friend of all three who smoked a lot of weed. And as the show goes on, is really trying to find himself. Turtle was played by Jerry and the show was on for eight seasons. It won, I couldn't believe, 26 primetime Emmy Awards. It also won a Peabody Award. And after Entourage, and this is where that anecdote comes back into play, Jerry found huge success in another role, playing a lawyer, Joe Proctor, in the Starz show, Power. What's interesting is that this character, Joe Proctor, is very different from Turtle. Again, there's this interesting duality of, of roles he's played in his career, playing characters that aren't just different, but he's been on sets and shows with very different tones. It it gets more complicated, which which we'll get into. If you think I'm taking his career too seriously, no, no, no. We have uh, a lot of fun in this interview. I laugh quite a bit. Just a quick heads up for context, uh, two quick items. For those who aren't huge NBA fans, we'll bring up Kyle O'Quinn. He was a former Knicks basketball player. We'll also mention briefly Pete Berg, a, uh, let's say, tough director who directed Jerry and Lone Survivor just personally I I watched Entourage while growing up and while I was in the midst of dropping out of college and dreaming of one day going into the entertainment business so it was just cool to revisit those days. Last I just want to say Jerry's one of the good ones I think in Hollywood not always easy to find he's kind generous with his time humble and he reached out actually on Twitter after listening to our episode on Michael Jordan kindly saying he enjoyed that episode and my answer was immediate, essentially saying, "Come to the studio. Let's do an interview." And so here it is. Where does one begin? I was just telling the guys, and this isn't this isn't blowing. Well, I guess maybe technically it's blowing smoke, but what I think in terms of your entourage character, we'll start. Let's start with there, and we'll work our way back. I think, if that's okay. Sure. Because I want to get into childhood and stuff. But uh, you know, I recall when watching that that and that was like a big part of me when i'm in my early 20s like and you know i was i had this show on mtv and we would go out to la and we were we you know i had my turtle and i had my johnny and i'm sure you get that all the time like every group whether they're living some version of it or not you know and what i recall people here i recall maybe even i am guilty of this thinking is like i feel like that turtle guy is kind of just playing like that's probably a version of that guy like that jerry guy it's probably more or less him and he just like maybe he doesn't smoke that much weed in real life (laughs)
1: And, and, and
0: and and it's really like the ultimate sign of a great fucking actor because we actually don't think you're acting and what better compliment could could one receive and then i was doing a little bit of research and i saw that I think it was Kevin Connolly who said you you maybe couldn't have been more different than any of the other guys from that from that. Um do you get do you get that? I guess to try and land on a question here, do you get that a lot? The perception that people thought uh, you're you're pretty much like turtle, right? I mean, when when the show was
1: actually going on and probably whenever because season one it didn't really take off, it actually critically was well received. But, ratings wise it wasn't really a thing. I always say like anywhere else and that show would have been canceled right away because we were not a like ratings juggernaut I didn't know that. out of the gate. Huh. But we had like New York Times did some wrote some nice stuff. We had all all the reviews where wow, this is a fresh show that we've not really seen this inside look at an actor's career. Right. And uh and it was just like a ratings thing. And it kind of came with the culmination of the invention of like HBO On Demand and TiVo and stuff like that. So there was this, and you know, HBO takes time in between seasons. So there was this large break in between season one and two. And what happened was like this perfect storm of everyone just caught up because it was one of the first shows On Demand. Everyone caught up with season one in the nine months or eight months we were off the air. So when we came back for season two, we grew without knowing we grew. Th- then they started so reporting some on demand numbers, and they were like, "Wow, it's the number one down like sh- watch show on HBO on that's demand." That's how I watched and season one, and, and that's I how a lot that. of people did that. So when we came back for season two, we we actually were a little bit of a ratings hit as well, although it wasn't reflective in the Nielsen. But live in
0: in today's in a uh, wow, so you were kind of a case study for how how it could be done moving forward. That's, that's
1: yeah. I so I guess to land on an answer <laughs> to <Yeah>. your question, <laughs> you know, when we came back for season two, there was a lot of fans that we just didn't know we're gonna to be there so you know we're filming stuff on Sunset Boulevard Santa Monica Boulevard in the heart of LA and we used to stop traffic and it, I just remember it was a really shocking thing but to get to your question yes there were, people thought we rolled out of bed showed up and just turned cameras on like a reality show almost and this also was during the height of the reality craze such a good way to put it people thought it was a, almost a reality show they thought right. I was Turtle they thought Kevin Connolly was E right and I do think that there's always like t- at least 10% of you in every, I like to think there's 10% of even Daniel Day-Lewis and Lincoln. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you, you like to think, or maybe not him, but you know. Sure. So That's we all good. have a degree of ourselves in those characters, but no, I, I, no, I, I, I am much more of an introvert uh much more in like i always had fun playing turtle because he has no inner voice he will say whatever's on his mind he's he doesn't know he's not the best looking guy in the room he walks up to (laughs) girl he has no i I just i don't function that way it was very fun to play but you know we we like the yankees and the knicks those were similarities right um we all got that very much and um yeah, it kind of never went away. It took years, really, to start going away. And then, just when it goes away, you know, you go do a movie, and it kind of right. kind of pulls you back.
0: And I want to I want to get to that, but yeah. to your to your point, I, I'll never forget. I remember this well. A couple years ago, I was at a Knicks game, and I'm fortunate, very very grateful to get pretty good seats. Mm-hmm. And you were sitting. Um, a couple seats away, underneath the hoop. Oh, it's the best seat and in the garden. Best by the seat way. in the garden. I love
1: underneath the hoop
0: because we're because uh, we're also to your. I think what you're also we're right next to, uh, the the team and the Knicks bench bench. Yep. And so, uh, um, who recognized you, uh, Kyle O'Quinn, Right, <sighs> O'Quinn? And so I, I just remember he noticed you and he goes, "Oh shit, <laughs> it's Turtle." <laughs> it's turtle, and I and I was like, "Come on, man, just say Jerry, say his name." And then and then you're up on the big screen, says Jerry, you know. It is a, and then throughout the game, Kylo standing up, yo, not you see that shit, turtle? That was a nice play, right? right. I'm thinking like. I guess it's a good problem to have, but man, that must be annoying. Like this guy, like it doesn't take much to just to just know he's he's this. That's his that's his character. Kyle. Yeah,
1: like so. A couple of, First of all, Kyle, it's so funny you were there because since then, Kyle O'Quinn and I have gone on to actually become really good friends. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. He did one of the coolest things ever. I took my ten year old nephew to his first Knicks game ever, and and fortunate, I'm fortunate like you. They they've always taken really good care of yeah. me with seats, and it's probably the best. Result of having to deal with turtle this and turtle that. Is I get great seats at the garden, so I'm I'm still up in the game of life. Right. So team intros are about to start, and I'm there with my nephew. And my hope is that he's gonna really enjoy this experience because I, I you can almost see in a young person like their loyalty is on the line here because he loves like Steph Curry because Steph Curry and kids are a thing, but he needs to be a Knicks fan for his uncle Jay. Right. <laughs> and the lights go off and they're introing the Knicks, and Kylo Quinn just walks over to us and grabs my nephew by the hand my nephew looks at me and I just give him this face of like it's okay and drags him out to the court and you know when the teams are doing the intro and the huddle and all that of course he's high-fiving with all the little kids with, with, with all the players and just this amazing experience which I have on film and I even told my nephew after, I'm like this is going to be the coolest thing in your life he's like Hands yeah down. it was pretty cool oh, he dude. was just so chill about it yeah. um, and I always told Kyle O'Quinn, I'm like I could never repay you and also do that to me next yeah, time yeah I was gonna say yeah but um, it, it is a weird thing. I, I don't know if we could actually figure out why it happens. I think a lot of it has to do with television and being in people's homes. Yeah. So they feel a more intimate relationship. Right. I don't expect anyone to know my name. It's not like a requirement of being a fan of someone's work. It would be, it's nice right. for sure. but. Some people will come up and be more like, "Hey, you, you, you play the character Turtle, right?" Uh, Oh, forgive me, I don't know your name. Oh,
0: there we go. That's the way to do it. But
1: there's, I just think that there are some people who want it to be real.
0: You know, it was a
1: part of their life in a way where, like I said, you're in their home, you're in their dorm room, or you're in, and it's it's a part of their pop culture upbringing. So they want it to be real, and it. I don't think. Because anytime I've even corrected someone kindly, they're like, turtle. oh my God. And I'm like, hey, it's Jerry. Nice to meet you. are <laughs> like, oh God, that's, oh, right. Of course, Jerry. I'm like, they'd only, it's like a reflex. Right, right. I don't quite know exactly why because I I just don't know. I, I, I would like to think that I, I, if I saw someone I admire, even in today's day, you do a quick Google. Catch their real name. Well, <laughs> right, I don't right, expect right. you to know my name and watch the opening credits.
0: But. I think kudos. I mean, without making kudos to you though, because I think they really do buy that you are Turtle. That's the thing. That's part of it. Is like I bet they see. Let's think of other shows that are iconic, like Chandler. I bet they oh. say Matthew Perry though, because I don't think they totally buy. There's something about that show that did feel real to it, and with you guys and your character, I think was. Um, Interesting.
1: Yeah, it is a. It is a. to me, it is a token of like, hey, you did a really good job. The I think shit, so. The shit was believable, which I think so. a, as an actor, that's what you're taught to do. Right. Be as believable as possible. But right. uh, there are some that I, I would even play around with some people and be like, ah, her, where's Vince? And I'd be like, ah. He's at the Playboy Magic. <laughs> you serious? I'm like, no, I'm not. So you mean Adrian? Adrian's like in a Brooklyn coffee shop watching yeah, right. an indie band right, right now. Right. I don't know what he's right. doing. We don't right. live together. Right. That's funny. You're like,
0: oh, all right, whatever you say, turtle. And they drive right. away. It's like, I can't even have fun with them. But now the interesting thing is you're known amongst a younger generation for being in power, which is on stars and is a drama. And so, and you tell me, but it's, it's almost like, I mean, it's something I would assume to be really grateful for. That one, you're now very much known for two very different shows, very different, and also playing two very different characters. Yeah, uh, one is is obviously comedy, the other is obviously drama. And then I was watching Power to to get do some of my research here, and you're also, uh, I mean, you're playing a lawyer. You're you're it's, it's a very different uh, yeah. guy that I'm I'm believing is real. Uh, what has that been like? Are, are you have you almost become typecast into two different sets of roles, and people aren't even able to? To I don't really know what I'm asking. No, as I think I, I usual, think I'm fo-
1: no. I, th- <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm following it, and it is actually something I'm very fascinated by, and not even because it does directly affect me, which it does, but also just as a theory with uh, typecasting and. look, it certainly is a threat to any actor who's on a show for a while. I think think times have changed so, so much that it's not nearly the threat it used to be. I mean, you could look around, like Steve Carell starred on a very popular television show for a very long time, and he's also one of the biggest movie stars on the face of the earth. Whereas, you know what? Maybe in the 80s or early 90s, Maybe Steve Carell doesn't get out of The Office because, it's like, oh, no, you're a TV guy. You do The Office. That's what you, do. you
0: don't do, movies. Right. Those
1: rules are all gone. But if you think about typecasting as a thing, what it means is, okay, so if I was going, if I were to go out for a drama while Entourage was going on, the questions would be, well, can you do drama? And like, can you, do, can you be anything else but turtling? You're sort of like, you're trying to shake that identity. And then- Power comes along and now Power is in its sixth season. I've been on since the second season. So I'm five years in, very, very different character. And what really made me notice this was walking around when we, when my wife moved, and I moved back to New York and literally on one street, we're walking in Brooklyn and it's like, and like hey, what's up guys? And then we cross over and we we're, we get a coffee and we're walking back in the other street. And it's like, oh my God, Proctor. Whoa. And it's this whole other age group. And, and I just, I'm like, how could I be Turtle on this street <laughs> and Proctor on this street? And that's where it got me thinking. I'm like, well, if typecasting wasn't a thing, that should not have been able to happen. Huh. It should only happen once, because that's all you could do. Right. You could only be this one guy. You don't have any other range. You're Turtle. Right. But it sort of happened again, which to me, in a way, proves typecasting still exists, but also disproves the whole theory. It shouldn't have happened again. Right. And it's very confusing. I swear. And my, I wish I almost had my wife in here, because she she's the one who really even knows. It's, like, it's just so weird. You're different from like... Now, I'm not saying I can't walk the streets. Don't get me mistaken. It's not... I'm, you're not this coming, is not every day. You're not coming across that way, okay. although I have a
0: hunch it probably does, but sure.
1: I, I, I'm, I'm just... Let it be I known. I'm not saying yep. I can't walk the street. I'm saying when it does like happen... Yep. Sure. Yep. Every now and then, <laughs> it's it's different on on from street to street. Sometimes from like subway stop to stub, subway stop, where you know I'm riding on the subway, right. and it's like a bunch of... Kind of like frat guys, and they're like turtle, right, and then right, right, right. going to the street. It's like some seventeen-year-old kids, are like oh my god, Proctor, get ghost out of jail. Like,
0: Crazy. Oh, okay. That, but good. That must feel so validated. I mean, I feel like I know certain people and elements of my even my career. On, but you, you it must feel really good when people started saying Proctor. You're like, oh, okay, huh? I, it it I can, does. I can. Yeah.
1: It does. It actually bothers me far less than some of the turtle stuff in a way because, and look, I remember because you're trained to like be very, and I don't want to get too actor. I, I always kind of give an eye roll whenever I hear someone gets so ultra like actor but as far, uh, as far as the typecasting yeah. stuff, I, I do know for a fact that when I was st- trying to get other parts, even while Entourage was starting to end, you're so conscious of it it almost comes off in the room not like there's like not that it's like a desperation oh, but i definitely in my mind was like no i'm going in there today and i'm going to show them that i could do much more than turtle and while that's a great it's good to have that thought in mind man when i was younger before even before entourage i would walk in those audition rooms and do exactly what i wanted to do in there and if i if it didn't go my way i really walked out with the youthful arrogance of like well you're a fucking idiot right you just don't know yet you'll realize you made a mistake whereas it it became at some point in my later 20s like no 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 i could do this
0: yeah i could do this so you're almost overacting to or overcompensating yes. to try that's so interesting yes um, proctor
1: settled me down a
0: little right because someone gave me the chance right oh interest. why did they give you that chance
1: you know it, it really just takes one and i'm not saying that there was many but uh courtney kemp who created power uh called me in for a general meeting when they were doing the show for the either for the pilot or early in season one for mm. a part and i went and i met her and we were talking and i was like what, so you want me to audition for this she's like no it's yours if you want it and i'm like whoa that doesn't happen a whole lot wow. i don't have to sing for my supper right, right now she's like, No. Right. she's like i think that you are underutilized in entourage and i think everyone has a soft spot for you from that show and i also think I know where you're from. I know a little bit more about you. I think there's a lot more to you than that. And I like to surprise people.
0: That's where casting directors are underappreciated. Like that yeah. right there. Because you know, there's that whole argument that casting directors should be nominated for an Academy Award and that sort of thing. I think so. That's an interesting anecdote. I that's, um, I, I, I think
1: that would be a great thing. I mean, I know they've tried to make like casting awards separately. They've honored casting directors over the years, but not, right. not in that way. I, I would be all for that. Um and it didn't work out at the time because I think, I, I want to say it was the Entourage movie that, of course, now it's like, oh, now I got two jobs and I can't do both? Great. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's how that's how luck would have it. But right. um, she said to me after I had to turn it down, she's like, all right, I'll, I'm going to write something for you next year and I'm going to come back for you.
0: Oh, that's what happened. Got it. And I said, sure. All right. All right, right. Go, go do that. I right. haven't heard that one before. Right, right. And
1: a year later. She calls and she said, I, "I wrote this character for this criminal defense attorney who's gonna it's gonna start off a little slow, but I have a plan." And right. year four, she's talking about year four and five, and again, I, and I think a lot of maybe people in my look, it, it wasn't a big part in the beginning. It wasn't tons of money in the beginning. I, I think maybe a lot of guys coming off a show might have been like, eh,
0: right? Small I should part. be the lead, yeah,
1: or just it's not it's not enough to do. But yeah. I, she showed so much faith in me. That I said, I'm going to give you the same faith back. Let's do it. And sure enough, she by far, has written the I think the best material I've ever had to work with, and I think it's my best my best work.
0: that's awesome. That's incredible. That's such an interesting anecdote. One of my favorite episodes in Entourage is an episode called The Sundance Kids. Uh, it's when the fellows get into the, well, Vince and his movie get into the top film festival, and the fellows all go to, Park City, Utah, they fly in, there's an opening shot where they're getting off the plane and it's like in slow motion, cool music, and they're there, they're getting ready to go skiing or snowboarding, have some fun, they got a big house, but poor Turtle, he has to sleep on a bunk bed with Vince's older brother, Johnny Drama, and when Turtle jumps onto the bunk bed, what happens? It breaks. And so obviously, when I was watching the episode, you know what I was thinking, man, If only he had a sleep number bed. The fact is, and this part I'm serious on, I have a sleep number bed and it has, I don't know about changed my life, but made like huge advancements in how my lower back feels, getting quality sleep. Uh, For the record, my sleep number setting is 50 and my partner's is to be determined. So many couples disagree on mattress firmness. Sleep Number 360 smart beds let you choose your ideal firmness on each side so it's just right for both of you. The Sleep Number 360 smart beds are so smart. They sense your every move and automatically adjust to you. It's true. I don't know. It's it's incredible. Keeping you sleeping comfortably throughout the night. When you add a FlexFit smart adjustable base, you better believe I did that, you can also raise the head or foot of your bed for ultimate relaxation. Partner snoring, well, no, my partner isn't snoring, but I do snore. There's even an adjustment for that. Come in now and save up to $1,000 on select Sleep Number 360 smart beds when you add a smart adjustable base only for a limited time. Sleep Number is ranked number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses by J.D. Power. For 2018 award information, just visit jdpower.com. Now let's get to the good part. You'll only find Sleep Number at one of their 575 Sleep Number stores nationwide. Visit sleepnumber.com slash wrh, as in what really happened, to find the one nearest you. You have this quote here that I think I really lo- I, I love and related to about nerves. You said uh, I think a lot of actors can get in their own way just because of their own nerves. Whether you're doing a play or a student film or an episode of Entourage, if you're a little nervous, just feel that, enjoy it, and just know that's exactly how you're supposed to feel. Do you get you get nervous in almost any acting kind of gig, and how do you go about sort of thinking about approaching the the, the role?
1: I think I've been nervous on at least take one of almost every single day I've worked. Yeah, I don't know if it's because I maybe deep down it's like my own insecurity of like, uh, should I really be here? Should like should it, all of this had happened? I don't know. I, I don't know. That's a that's a different therapy episode we'll maybe do <laughs> one day. But um, I think it's completely normal. You have a hundred people there on a set mm. or in a theater looking at you performing, and and the stakes are a lot higher when you're doing it professionally. So I think it's okay to feel that. But if it starts to kind of consume you,
0: mm.
1: it could go really it could go really wrong. But I, I I I think that's a good thing. I think if you're like ultimately calm and so comfortable, I, I I don't know. I don't at least for me, I don't think it would breed the best work for me.
0: I think I always have thought if you're nervous, it means you care, right? Like if you're going out with a woman that you, uh, and you're not nervous beforehand, you don't like her. And you probably don't like her. If you're like freaking out, you're probably really into her. You know, it's like, um, and I I didn't thought of that in terms of acting, and, and that was it's it's very much. I, I
1: find it to be very much the the case. You know, I the the most nervous I think I ever was was for kind of a good small part, but really good part in a a comedy called Las Vegas, where it has like every one of my heroes of acting in it at one time. I literally am like, Oh my God, I just can't get fired from this movie. That's my goal (laughs) is don't get fired, get through it and just, be a fly on the wall for this experience. And
0: let's talk about that because you were doing that, which I rewatched over the weekend and, and, uh, because I had first seen it on a plane. That thing was playing on every plane plane forever. Great plane movie. Uh, And there's, you were shooting that from what I understand while you were also shooting Lone Survivor. And what was that like to go back and forth from this comedy to, I mean, a drama of all dramas?
1: It was, it, it was a really, it was a fun time but also, And and maybe I I should have known better at the time. So start doing Las Vegas. Once I got over the fear of getting fired and-
0: And who are the names actually, for those who don't know the movie? So Las
1: Vegas has a really tiny cast of uh, actors, uh, Robert De Niro, (laughs) Michael Douglas, Morgan Freeman, who's played God like seven different times. Uh, Kevin Klein Mary Steenburgen so there's a lot of awards in that group it's incredible i think when i got the part i released like that imdb screenshot and with my name at the very end i'm like tell me what doesn't belong in this sentence <laughs> i dare you to figure it out um so yeah obviously that that's a dream cast and it was interesting, that cast they've never worked together before i think that's why it all that movie came together any of together. them together more. Even Oh, never wow. even one-on-one. One-on-one.
0: Never. It's interesting how things like, you know, people will think, how did how'd that movie get made? And and I'm not saying that's the case with this one, but it's like none of them read the script, but none of them had worked with each other. So they were like, sign me. There's always these weird stories yeah. as to why people do get these, do it, certain gigs. Timing or, and
1: luck are also, are no matter what people yeah. say, I do believe talent and hard work always does break through, but a little bit of luck and timing always goes a long way. It can help.
0: It, I, I always have thought, yeah, it, it with those two, you 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 have the opportunity to find to get some luck, right? Something like that.
1: Uh so I I get cast in that, and I was shooting in Vegas, and um, I also got cast uh, in, in another small but really good role in Lone Survivor with Pete Berg, Mark Wahlberg, Taylor Kitsch, yeah. uh, Ben Foster, and for those of you who haven't seen it, it's a uh, really intense, probably some of the best actual. Battle footage and shootouts that you're going to see it's yeah. an extremely violent film yeah
0: no, but very real it's it, it,
1: yeah and, and it's interesting how lone survivor even came around to me but so i would go shoot for a week in vegas and it's this light-hearted like kind of senior citizen hangover <laughs> where everything a, is right, yeah. everything's fun and laughing and you're yeah. playing the joke at all times and then it's like okay Getting on the plane, going to Albuquerque, New Mexico, sure. and I'm still in this great mood. I'm like, it's fucking the scenes with Robert De Niro. This is right. awesome. And then you land, and like I see Wahlberg, who I obviously know, he helped cast me in Entourage, and he's got this grizzly beard. Doesn't he? Just he just looks like shit, but because he's beat up. And I'm like, Mark, what's up? He's like, yeah, hey, yeah. And then I see Taylor Kitsch, who I don't know very well. I'm like, Taylor, how's it going, man? He's like, <laughs> yeah,
0: <"Hey>, what's up?
1: <laughs> Everyone is in such a dark mood because it's it's dark. Stuff that they're dealing with, and it's so, based on a
0: real story. Right? Based on a real story, yeah.
1: Mike Murphy, right, who of course kind of sacrificed his life for Marcus Luttrell, who Mark yeah. Wahlberg played, to kind of go on and, you know, you get there, and then it's like, okay, I gotta, I gotta get in this mode. So, get a week on that movie where I start to get real dark and play all those dramatic, awful beats. You know, my character is actually the last person to talk to. Yeah, you're great
0: in that on the movie. phone. I thought you were, really and then great. I get
1: back on the plane. And I go to Vegas, and then I get back on the plane, and we're doing takes, and I'm like. And John Turtle, tell the rights, like Jerry, lighten the fuck. What's, what's up? what's up? Is everything okay? I'm like, yeah, dude. It's just it was really dark over there. <laughs> and it was just a really that month, month and a half of doing that back and forth was was I've never experienced anything like that before of the two different kind of genres at once.
0: And you said that there, there's an interesting story behind how you got that Lone Survivor role. I'd be interested. Yeah, in that.
1: and and this is this is kind of how you. You know, there is really no such thing as like a small part or whatever. I first met Pete Berg on Battleship, uh, you know, and Taylor Kitsch was also in that I was movie. Say, I, yeah. I, I think I had like one or two scenes in that movie, I, and it was almost one of those things where, I'm like, why am I doing this? Like, it's almost like not that I'm above this. Was but entourage
0: on at that entourage point? Entourage
1: was on. It was toward the tail end, you know. No, It's a
0: fair, but it was fair. very
1: much like, look, go meet Pete. It's you know, he's doing you a favor. You go do him a favor. It's sure. a small part. I'm sure it'll help. So go and. I start to develop a good relationship with Pete down there.
0: Which isn't always easy.
1: Right. And then, um, so now Lone Survivor comes around. and it's a, Obviously, it's a great script. You read those, that script, it's like, wow. And of course, I wanted like the Emile
0: Hirsch part, <laughs> like every other,
1: like probably 4,000 yeah. other actors, and yeah. I'm battling for it.
0: And what does that mean, battling? Battling
1: is like I'm I'm telling everyone I know who if they know Pete, tell them I'd love a crack at it. I know I'm not getting an offer on it, but give me a swing, give me an at bat.
0: Give me an audition.
1: Right. And he's kind of already, and you know, we know each other. And he's like, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm going a different way. I, I think I got the guy. I'm like, all right, well, I'm gonna put myself on tape. I'm not gonna, I'm just gonna show you what I could do. So I grab some friends, a little crew, we go, we put the scenes down on tape. Send it to P. Now, who
0: are you? Pl- sorry, what character? I think this was the Emil the Hirsch okay, okay. character.
1: I so want to say before he was officially it. cast. Got it. So I went ahead and did it, and he calls back and he's like, "It's great. Wow, awesome. Still gonna go with the guy <laughs> I want to go with. Uh, but you know what? There's there's a small part in there. You know. But obviously, it's not the same as Battleship. It'll be worth your time. Like, okay, great. I'm very grateful. So he sends it over, and it was literally, you know. And, and it's no disrespect to him. He thinks he's doing me a solid. It was, you know, like three or four lines. And I was like, you know what, Pete? I've done the three or four lines thing. And I don't think I'm above it, but I'm, I'm just going to pass. Go hire some young guy who's like, you know, I'm I'm I'm, t- I'm just going to sit it out. He's like, all right, you're an idiot, but okay.
0: That sounds right.
1: And then he calls back and he's like, well, you know what? I combined some things. I flipped it around. Now it's two scenes. Here, take a look. Oh, interesting. I take a look and I'm like, Pete. Uh, and I might have had something else working on another job, so maybe I was sure. hedging a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, I'm like, I don't know, Pete. Like, you you could go get you could go get someone probably better than than I will for this. Like, they'll probably come in and really be there for the whole. You're gonna be in Mexi- New Mexico for right. however many weeks. He's like, calls back a third time. He's like, I re- there's three scenes. If you don't take, you'd literally be an you'd be one of the dumbest people I know. And I read it and I'm like, you're absolutely right. That's a great role. Uh, I'll see you in New Mexico. And that's how that whole thing was kind of drummed up. And, you know, those are the sort of things you have to do to secure work unless you're a handful of people who sort of get to pick and choose what they want to do.
0: People don't realize that Dylan McDermott mm-hmm. tells this story about how he was telling me the other day that there was an indie film and didn't pay, you know, probably anything. Most of them um, don't pay much. Yeah, right? exactly. And and he doesn't need the money anyway. And uh, it's it's this, like, Role that he's entranced with, just obsessed with, and so he, they, his agent goes to the director and says, "Again, indie indie film." So Dylan McDermott's a big deal, and so we got Dylan McDermott, and the director, some indie guy or whatever, goes, oh, "He can't, he can't do this role." And Dylan McDermott then it's infuriating goes yeah. gets a it's a overweight character gets a fat suit, buys a camera at Best Buy, puts it on the tripod. The next day, sends in like a two hour piece of him as the character and says i am this guy and gets the role and it should i think people forget that the great actor you you got to stay humble because in like that sense of proving yourself and you clearly did that even with lone survivor yeah
1: anytime i've had any form of ego and when i say pride i don't mean like the good kind like pride is a good thing but they do say like the you know pride could be the death of every man pride is a good thing but what I mean, it's more pride, ego, ego yeah. right? Anytime that stuff has ever crept in right. on anything with me, it's never led to anything good. Up. Yeah, catches it catches does, Yeah, it doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. So I, I think I've done, if anything, that's probably what I've done the best job at, of in my career is, is leaving that stuff at the door and just trying to just chase it. You know, you do get tired though. Not complaining, but it, it does grind you down. That's yeah. why any young actor who ever asks me like, you got any advice for me? I always just say, Make sure you love it. Right. Because you're gonna be tested. It's gonna it's designed yeah. to make you quit, honestly. The right. whole way the business functions and all that. It's designed to make you go, fuck mm.
0: this, I'm out. That's a good way to put it. It tests your will. What is a day what is a what's a day in Jerry's life like? So like let's say you're not shooting power. It's not a, a big day that's, you know, like the, I don't know Casual. if there's a way to answer that. Casual Friday. Almost. No, no, not even, oh, no, not, not, okay. not, not like a day off. I mean, like, uh, w- are you spending grind 60% days? of your time auditioning for a bunch of different roles? Some that you really want, others that are more like helps pay the bills or 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 is there, is that like 10% of your time auditioning and you're really focused on power? I'm just kind of curious what that what that looks like. It doesn't have to be a day, a day, a week, I don't know, some just yeah. a sense of it.
1: So look, when power's going on, it's really tough. That's to, it, yeah. It's just tough. It, it can be done. I'm not saying it's impossible. It's just really tough to, but it's such a catch-22 because to get the job that shoots in July when power ends, you got to get that in February. Right. So you got to figure out a way to do it. Um For me, it's weird. Um I don't, I, I'm not, I don't think I, I, 60% of my time is spent auditioning. It's more spent reading scripts I and see. then also because you get you know i still need development so it's like all right there's this role let's go kick down that door and see if they'll see me or let me get the chance at it and it's, it's a lot of that it's a lot of reading talking to you know agents and managers being like what's and there and there we have a great report they will straight up tell me there's no chance or they'll say there's a chance that's probably the 60 percent of the time um, is, right. is spent doing that. But for me, you know, I don't, it, it's, it's still fun. If it wasn't fun, I would definitely start doing other things. Right. Um, and I do a bunch of gaming stuff. So when all that stuff's not going That's on, right. I, I do my gaming stuff and then it balances me out. I had to explain to my wife, this is like the one thing I actually could control. So much of huh. acting and Hollywood and all that, for, it, you, you have no control. I cannot wake up tomorrow and say, hey, I want to act today. That's why I love podcasting. That's how I even reached out to you where it's like, I love what you're doing. I, you know, we had a it's podcast awesome. for a while. We put it on hold for a little bit, but it was nice to have that feeling of, oh, I'm going to wake up tomorrow. Right. I got something I want to say. Let's turn the mics on and go. I don't need someone to give me permission to do it.
0: I mean, I can't imagine what that must be such an, a good, if you're an actor particularly, because you could do the greatest scene of all time and you walk away that day and you're like, well, fuck that's gonna win an academy but then it's edited together or the director doesn't know that and it ends up being a shitty scene and then I, I think you were saying this actually earlier but and then vice versa you you're like god that re-stunk the place up and then you watch it on screen you're like oh my god put this in the reel
1: i can't tell you how many times oh really that i i i, I too many to count where uh doing a scene and it's like fuck this scene's really good No, this is it. We did it, guys. Yeah. This is it. This episode is going to be crazy. It's going to change everything. Right. And then you watch it in context with everything else, and it's like, all right, it was good. It was fine. (laughs) It was not changing. And then there's other scenes where, you know, who uh, this guy doesn't know his lines. This guy was late. I'm I'm a little I'm struggling today. Whatever. You know, if you think about it in a way of almost like sports, like sometimes when a player has a bad performance, you don't know what's going on in that person's life. That happens to everyone. And you're like, oh, this scene is going to get cut for sure. Or at least chopped down to a nub right. because we got to get, it sucks. Yeah. And you wash it back in context and it's fucking awesome. It's the best scene of the episode. Right. It's really, I don't know if you've read much of like William Goldman and a lot of his like screenwriting. and a little Hollywood, bit, right. yeah. He, he really coined all the stuff where like nobody fucking knows anything. Right. No one knows what's good or not. Like you, you just, you're just doing the best you can. No one knows. No one's the great predictor of That's what's right. going to be great and what's going to fail. Right. There's so many circumstances that are rolled into it that you can't predict. And I've always, I've learned that lesson where if, if something's not going well, you stick with it, it's going to be all right. And if something's going really well, stick with it and just know it might just be all right.
0: That's so in- now, um, oh God, we've already been here for 30. Uh, I talk too much as I'm getting No, older, no, no, man. please, please. I'm the, uh, no, not at all. I'm, I'm grateful for your time here. Um, uh, at what point, at what age did you start to think even some semblance of like, huh, I really like to act or I'm a performer or just that sense of, of yeah, being a performer of some sort. Do you recall? Uh, I can't, I
1: don't recall like the one it aha like moment, moment right, but right. I, it, it's like a series of events in like childhood through teenage years. I do remember being like a young kid my grandfather Jerry who I'm named after uh, great guy he's obviously passed away a long time ago but and he he was kind of a man of few words you know mm-hmm. wasn't like the I remember like when I turned 13 on my 13th birthday like I went to his house for like my birthday party and I went to go give him like a grandpa hug and kiss and he's like how old are you now like 13 he's like we do this now and he puts his hand out for a handshake he's uh, like now you're a man we do straight this straight
0: out of a movie strong oh, yeah
1: and he just, you know, he didn't really laugh. He didn't really cry. He wasn't like an emotional guy. But like the old school Sunday matinees, like the back-to-back movies they would run on like Channel 11. WPIX. In New York. WPIX, right?
0: WPIX yeah, yeah, my yeah, man. Yeah.
1: That would be the shit that made him laugh and scream at the T. I saw emotion. I'm like, huh, huh. If that can make him do that.
0: That's oh, super.
1: So that was felt really young. and That's then, interesting. You know, I, I grew up huh. in Bensonhurst, Brooklyn in the 90s, which is an amazing place to grow up. Um, also, tough place to grow up in yeah. a lot of ways. And I just was always more comfortable watching a movie or watching a TV show or reading a book. I just loved stories. It really was huh. the love of stories. It wasn't always I need to perform. And that's what it is for a lot of actors. Some actors have to perform
0: huh.
1: or else they don't feel right. right. I'm not like that. I just enjoy give me a good story. I don't I could have easily been an editor, a DP, a part of this crew, part of the story, I would have been fine. It's
0: fascinating.
1: It not, it's really not about the performance, it's about I just I just like stories. Huh. That's why I'm re- I'm responding so well to what you're doing. You're telling stories.
0: That was very kind. Uh, so speaking of the Jordan Rules, one of your favorite books. What a book. I'll have to I'll give a little context, but uh, what do you love about the Jordan Rules?
1: Well, at the time, you know, now we have so much Jordan content from over the years. But at the time, if I recall, because I'm a huge basketball fan, you know, that was really the the first look at right. behind the curtain a little bit. And, uh, you know, that part of it. And I just love, I just love the the historical element now, even like rereading it and then hearing your podcast on it, it kind of throws you back in that time capsule yeah. of that era. It was just captured really well. Yeah. Sure. MJ didn't care for it all right. that much, but uh, it, it's, ju- I, I still read, I'll read chapters here and there to this day.
0: Yeah. You know, it's a, it's funny. Cause it's like, it became known as this book that was trying to break up a team, but it's really the ultimate book. If, if you, I reread it, you know, a couple a year or two ago, and it was like, huh, this book shows is like the epitome of, and it sounds cheesy, but of what it takes to be a great team. Yeah. Like it goes through each player, what their role was, for better or worse, and how MJ slowly realized that if he was going to win, he needed these guys, whether they were. Good, bad, ugly. Didn't matter. Like he needed. He just needed them. Right. And you're like, oh, so that's that's what it takes for. A t-. It's so simple. But he la- that that uh, Sam Smith, the writer, just lays it out in a way that. Um, is quite easy to understand. yeah, I
1: mean if it was like a fiction tale, it would be superstar basketball finds his way and realizes right. no one man right. could win a championship right. right you know and who's not gonna buy? I would buy the fictional version of that so we got the real life version of yeah. that with actual footage of yeah. context it's 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 one of the greats you know so it goes back to stories for me like it's that all storytelling you know that that's it.
0: So last question, what is what is Jerry doing in in an ideal world in 20, 30 years professionally? Professionally? Ooh,
1: gosh, such a good question. Uh, I, I think he is helping write and create television shows uh, behind the scenes. I think his acting days are long over think he got too ugly, what? too bald, <laughs> too ugly, bald and fat probably to be in front of the camera I mean, anymore. Hey,
0: listen, there's a lot of examples of guys where it works out well, but do you, you really think you would, you might slow down on the acting or
1: I, look, I, you know,
0: Is that just I don't kind of think, I, I
1: don't even know if I, that's something you, you do, I think it just happens. You know, I, I, I do want to get behind the scenes a little more uh, I recently sold a show with the the same person the same woman Courtney Kemp who created power who's believed in me all these well, years
0: congratulations man because that's a big fucking deal we,
1: we sold a show to HBO together nice so um and, and but you know it's a whole new chapter I, I have to not start again I have a leg up but no one knows me in the television production world. I'm starting No, um, I'm I mean, if anything, anew.
0: it might be the opposite because they don't think you are. Right. As opposed to like, he's new, we'll see. They're like, he's been around and he doesn't do this, right. but he thinks he can.
1: I would like one more character to get typecasted by. I'd like
0: a third. The third's so the So charm? I could
1: say, yes, I've been typecast right. three times, a hat trick. Right. That, that is, would be right, good. Right.
0: Right. Um, the, the quote, I think, is, the only thing harder than being number one is staying number one. So yeah, if if you've if you've uh, it's a it, it is kind of like starting anew when you're creating your own when you're creating your own show. You you can't tell us what it's about yet.
1: Uh it it, it it's set in the world of uh, police corruption, but also in like kind of just organizational corruption as a whole, systemic corruption. I'm Amen. That's, uh, in. That's enough. Uh, yeah. I'm in. Yes. Yeah. Where stuff where? that kinda went on more in the eighties in okay. New York, but we're trying to kind of set it against na- like, like now, yeah. I guess you could
0: say. Well a little bit of uh right, juxtaposition to what's going on these days, yeah. so to speak. A little a
1: little a little yeah. bit of that. Yeah.
0: Um throwing we got to throw in juxtaposition. It's in great work. Anytime you yeah. could get yeah. juxtaposition in, yeah. yeah. I am a
1: big fan. So we'll see, man. But yeah, 30 years, maybe a little of that, definitely more stuff in the gaming world, which uh we could talk about one day down the road, but I love the gaming and esports community. It's like a soft spot in my heart, and so. has been
0: for a while, right? Forever, forever, yeah,
1: forever. I just, if I was 16 years old now, I'd be striving towards something in
0: that. But and it's not like because the gaming thing is now the gaming thing, so it is now mainstream. So it's not right. like you came on like when when I was reading up, you've been doing since you were. I'm considered a kid. An, an old head, right? The, right, the kids right.
1: call me. Oh, I'm right. like an OG. I'm right. an old head. So. Right.
0: You saw that thing of. Um, of uh, Gordon Hayward and his wife <laughs> it's
1: awesome it's awesome it's awesome I, I loved it I relate to it yeah. it's fantastic keep yeah. playing Gordon yeah. keep playing
0: cool man well thank you so much for coming on
1: thanks for having really me really anytime
0: Yeah. what really happened is produced by Dwayne Johnson Danny Garcia Brian Goertz 7 Bucks Productions and Cadence 13 you can follow me on Twitter Instagram and Facebook at Andrew Jenks